Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. What's going on, everybody? It's yours truly, Connor, a.k.a. Okay, Fabe. Welcome, guys, to your September 25th edition of the OK Fabe Show, of course, right here on YouTube.com slash OK or Facebook, and, of course, wherever you guys are listening to your major audio podcasting from, whether it be iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcast, Spotify, and, of course, our friends at iHeartRadio. Thank you, thank you so much for tuning into the show. We are here to break down all the craziness from the very last episode of SmackDown Live on the USA Network as we head full speed towards the October 4th edition of uh, SmackDown debuting on Friday nights on, on Fox. Should be very interesting. Should be a lot of fun. But how did this show fare? How did this one go as it was essentially their quintessential season finale? Talked about on the Raw review yesterday about season finales. How did it compare? How is it going into Fox? Do they really care that they're leaving USA Network? We're going to talk about all that and continuation in the buildup towards Hell in a Cell and Kofi's title match on next week's show. But of course, you guys are the routine. You guys are the whole deal. I always love to hear what you guys have to say about the whole experience. Let me know your thoughts down in the comment section. Hit me up on the social media, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagrams. All that stuff, link is in the description. If you guys are new to the channel, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button so you guys are notified every single time a video of mine slides into your subscription box. Of course, you can also check out our t-shirt store over at represent.com, Patreon for all the bonus goodies, including getting access to uh, this show early before everyone else. Uh, a great way to help support the channel. Go check it out. Links, as always, are in the description box. Hello. So, SmackDown heading away from USA Network. It's the last time we see SmackDown live on Tuesday nights as they roll into the new Friday night lineup next week with headline, of course, Kofi Kingston and Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. I gotta say, this show is not really that intriguing to me. Now, of course, these are just my opinions, and love to hear your thoughts as I on but smackdown this week really didn't do much for me i can't say i'm very surprised again we're going into a very big very star-studded jam-packed episode of smackdown as they debut on fox next week so going into this i really wasn't expecting a whole heck of a lot of uh, major moments or major intensity but there was some positives uh for sure and of course, we do see a recap of, uh, well, the show opens up with the recap of Luke Harper's return at Clash of Champions. And of course, Eric Rowan's promo, as we see Rowan actually makes his entrance uh, out to the ring. He gets on the mic and says the video package was a work of art, and uh, and he works in Annihilation. He's not an artist, he's a creator, or killer, or whatever. And he created violence that commands respect. We don't respect him. We see him as less of a, than a human, but might makes right. And it doesn't matter where you are or what side you're on. What matters is that if you can destroy and dominate, it that makes you right. Of course, he says that Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan know he's right, and that's why they're afraid. 
to which out comes Mr. Daniel Bryan. He says if Roman wants some respect, he'll fight him right now. And Eric shrugs his vest off. And, of course, we get the referee. And we have ourselves a match between D. Bry and Eric Rowan. And I got to say, this one was a lot of fun. Now, I know that uh, I said this in the Clash of Champions review on the Random Wrestling Podcast a couple weeks ago. But, again, being able to highlight and showcase newer talent. And I can't say really newer because I know Eric Rowan and Luke Harper have been around the block for a while. Former tag team champions, obviously members of the Wyatt family, the Bludgeon Brothers, have definitely been on TV for quite some time, but being able to showcase them uh, in the right way against the right opponents is, I think, fantastic. You guys remember Eric Rowan's push at like the end of, like, what was it, 2016, 17-ish? Yeah, really didn't... um Really didn't bode well. Really wasn't anything spectacular. Remember they made him out to be like a genius, like he kept solving Rubik's Cubes and stuff like that. I think this singles run, if you even want to call that now, these partner with Luke Harper, but Rowan's run right now has been a very refreshing treat. And I, I know that Eric Rowan may not be everyone's cup of tea, but you have to at least appreciate them trying to try things with newer superstars. There had been rumors, rumblings going around the fact that maybe, just maybe, WWE would be trying to produce or push newer talent. And while I'm saying that Eric Rowan I don't think would be anyone's favorite world heavyweight champion, seeing him in this spotlight definitely puts a smile on my face. The sheep mask aside. But anyway, this was a fun matchup seeing, of course, Rowan utilizing his power while Brian utilizing his technical ability and, of course, his speed. We see him at one point doing a suicide dive, but he gets caught. Eric tries to counter, but Brian slips out and says Rowan shoulder first into the ring post. We get back inside. We see Brian start to dominate here, but, of course, a kick out at one. We then see um, a choke slam reverse into a guillotine choke with body scissors as Rowan starts to crumble, shift to a label lock, and, of course, he locks it in the middle of the ring with nowhere to go. Gets on the ropes, of course, and uh, Ryan... Uh, Rowan was able to get a hold of the ropes. Brian drop kicks and intervening Luke Harper before he has a chance to dive on him. Harper then, of course, pops up after going over the desk and stunned Brian, gets clawed into the ring by Rowan. Dan gets his foot trapped in the ropes in the process as Eric stomps him as the referee struggles to get him free. Claw hold applied, and, of course, Eric wins, gets that claw slam pinfall victory over Daniel Bryan. So another victory for Mr. Eric Rowan with some Luke Harper shenanigans at ringside, which I guess not really too surprised they pulled that one off. Post-match, we see Harper joining him in the ring, and it keeps uh, Brian down while Eric goes to the outside and clears the announce table. But lo and behold, Roman Reigns makes the save. He gets a Superman punch on Harper, but Rowan cuts him down. They take him over to announce table and beat him down as Brian recovers to rejoin the fight. Luke then throws Brian back inside, and he ducks the discus slayer, but then he hits a knee to the big uh, to get uh, Rowan out of there. Ro uh, Eric gets back inside. Iron Claw apply, but of course... Then we see Roman hitting him with a spear. Reigns offers Brian a hand up, but of course, Brian swats away and grabs a microphone. He says all he wants is a one-word answer, and he asks the crowd if they want to see him and Roman kick their disrespectful asses, and of course, the crowd chanting, yes. As I mentioned at the beginning of this whole thing, SmackDown really didn't do a whole heck of a lot for me as far as the excitement factor, but I'll be damned that opening for SmackDown was not a damn good one. I loved everything about this. So obviously they do announce later on the evening that we are going to see Roman and Brian team up against the Bludgeon Brothers at Hell in a Cell. No real shock and surprise there, but I gotta say the build-up to this and the storyline so far progressing naturally has been fantastic. And honestly, one of my favorite ways to open up SmackDown in a quite some time Truth be told, this is probably one of, if not the big highlight for me as far as SmackDown goes with the whole uh, Legend Brothers, Roman Reigns, and Daniel Bryan scenario. Absolutely A-plus stuff. Loved everything about it. 
Of course, we see commentary hyping up the later on the match or later on the show. We're going to see Flair and Carmella against the Paulson Hug Connection. And of course, we recap Brock Lesnar's challenge to Kofi Kingston. As we see coming back from commercial break, Kofi Kingston is doing a sit-down interview with Michael Cole because apparently Michael Cole has to work double duty. So Kofi rewrites his intro New Day style before getting into the meat of it, saying it's simple. When he became champion, he promised to be a fighting champion and Lesnar is just another champion. He doesn't think you can prepare for Brock, and he tells, but he'll tell you he thinks he's at the top of his game, and he's beaten everyone from Samoa Joe to, of course, Daniel Bryan. He always feels pressure, always trying to be the best champion he can be, but he feels like this is an amazing opportunity for WWE and Fox, and for him to be the forefront of it all. People think Brock's going to come in and have his way, but he's worked too long and too hard to let go of the title just yet. Pretty basic uh, interview from Kofi Kingston. I do admit that I, the, the things I like about Kofi's sit-down interviews and segments like this is just the realism of it. He's not doing anything flashy or crazy this time. He's not doing the whole, you know, throwing pancakes and acting wild and all that stuff. He's being serious. He's being very real. And he's not being like, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to do that. But he's he's trying to wear the championship with pride, which I can appreciate. But as we'll talk about on a preview for SmackDown on next week on their debut on Fox, I don't think that's going to be enough tame the beast Brock Lesnar, but we'll talk about that more on next week's shows. Of course, we get back uh, from commercial. We see Chad Gable making his entrance. He gets on the mic saying that Corbin has said that no matter how hard he tries, they'll always come up short. Yeah, short joke, but his run the King of the Ring was no joke, and his performance, uh, as was his performance last night. Corbin knew he had him beat, so of course he took the low road, and next time he crosses paths, which of course outcomes Mike Kanellis. He says he came out here to prove his pregnant wife that size does matter, and therefore losing in just a few moments with submission via ankle. <laughs> like, so Gable with a quick victory over Mike Kanellis. Man, that Maury show is just calling him up and wanting him so badly on the show, doesn't he? But then immediately after the victory, Elias actually pops up on the Tron and calls Gable uh, Shorty, and he says he's been following his story, and it's inspired him to write a song. He plays it about how Chad inspires everybody, but if it went up to him, he'd be fired and continue making short jokes and quoting Randy Newman. Uh, <laughs> crazy. We get a quick recap, of course, Carmella winning the 24-7 title from last night's Raw. Cut to backstage where Charlotte Flair is asking R-Truth if he's seen Carmella. He plays dumb and Flair isn't having it, but Carmella comes out of the locker room. Charlotte congratulates her on, on her title win, but she said she best be focused on her tag match tonight. Of course, Mella says this isn't Bailey. She knows, but she's going to show her what's up. Truth tries to do a woo. Charlotte just... But we get in a pretty solid women's tag match as the Boston Hug Connection once again against Carmella and Charlotte Flair. Uh, this one was a little bit shorter than I expected, but then again, with SmackDown being only two hours, it's understandable that they wouldn't really give this one a whole hell of a lot of time. Um, of course, Boston Hug Connection get the victory. We see super kicks with Banks with an elbow, nobody home. Uh, and Mella hits another super kick only for Bailey to break it up. Dumping Bailey to the apron, super kick sender to the floor, duck a lariat, tilt the world schoolboy. And of course, we see a bank statement submission onto Carmella to get the victory here. After the match, of course, the 24 7 rules back in place. And this time, the entire women's locker room empties as uh, Truth carries uh, Carmella out to safety. Um, Flair fighting Bailey and Sasha two on one, but then Banks gets a lung blower. Then Becky Lynch runs in to make the save. Sasha bails. Bailey sticks around, and Becky destroys both of them. Exploder suplex sends Bailey out, disarmor on Banks, and of course Bailey pulls her in and saves her out. So uh, interesting little brawl. We're gonna get, of course, a rematch from a few weeks ago. We're gonna see the four horsemen, uh, four horse women, excuse me, once again implode as it's Charlotte and Becky against um, Banks and Bailey. A lot of bees in that one. Oh boy, tongue tied. Uh, next week on, of course, the debut of SmackDown on Fox. So it should be, again, a very loaded show for sure. Loaded show for sure. 
course, out next, we got Mustafa Ali, Shinsuke Nakamura in singles action. Not too bad, I thought, though Mustafa Ali was nearly going to kill himself. There was so much crazy action with this one, and I really love the fact that they're showcasing Mustafa Ali because... And we need to have some something. Nakamura's got to do something with that Intercontinental Championship, right? Uh, we do a quick commercial break coming back. Ali gets in control. We see fired up, waiting, charging in. Uh, of course, uh, we see Ali super kick countering the Kinsasha, but he can't pull off the put off away. Uh, Nakamura set up in the corner for the knee. Connects, inverted exploder suplex. Ali slips away. Schoolboy for a two. And of course, we see a top Kongiro over the referee. And of course, Ali charging after Zayn back inside. We see Nakamura get that keen Sasha to get the victory over Mustafa Ali. So, once again, it's not Ali's time, but, I mean, why not keep this going? You got nothing else going on with Nakamura and the Intercontinental title. And, I mean, again, there's a lot of free-floating stuff right now because I think once the draft actually does get rolling with their uh, with their actual you know actual rosters, <laughs> we'll have a little bit of a better chance to really develop more stuff. So, Maybe we'll see more of this who Ali and uh, Nakamura stuff. Fingers crossed, folks, because they can put on some hella good matches if they give him more time. Speaking of giving more time, New Day, Big E and Xavier Woods taking on the B team. Uh, really not too much here. A B team gets a little bit of offense here, but of course we see uh, E joining him and throw Axel into the barricade. Bo runs inside, cover for two, boot up. E uh, tag gets into Big E, scoop lift, and we get the midnight hour on Bo Dallas for New Day to get the victory here. And once again, a celebration, really nothing too crazy on this one. Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville take on the Kabuki Warriors in tag team action. And surprisingly, the Warriors get the win. We haven't seen Asuka nor Kairi Sane in the longest time. And I'm not counting when they were chasing after Carmella for that 24-7 championship. It's just, it's, it's strange that they put so much emphasis on this tag team. I, I could be wrong. You guys can correct me, obviously, uh, in the comment section or on social media. Did the Kabuki Warriors actually ever get a tag team title shot against... Uh, the women's tag team champions. I know they were kind of in line for it, but I couldn't remember if they actually did. Like, it just kind of goes to show how they were like a flavor of the month kind of thing, and then just all of a sudden, just poof, gone. Like, I don't know. Like, what? So bizarre. Um, uh, but anyway, glad to see them at least back. Maybe they'll actually start building this tag team division again. Hey, fingers crossed, right? <laughs> right? Again, not a bad uh, matchup between the two women, uh, the two female tag teams. Uh, Fire and Desire are slowly starting to get their stuff together, but with uh, Kabuki getting the victory here after Kairi Sane does the uh, massive uh, elbow drop onto Mandy Rose, which kind of surprised me. I figured with Mandy Rose getting that cover uh, that they recently mentioned about the um, the Maxim cover, I figured that maybe Sonya would take the, uh, the pinfall here, but nope, the Maxim cover goal gets the uh, pinfall as the Kabuki Warriors celebrate a victory. Let's hope, for God's sakes, they actually do something with this and, and build up the women's tag team division. But anyway, back from commercial break, we get some more hype up for their next day, a week debut on Fox. But this time, Shane McMahon and his lawyer friends make their entrance and calls Kevin Owens to the ring. Of course, Owens makes his entrance and paces on the other side of the ring as McMahon introduces his legal team and says they've been going over his frivolous, wrongful termination lawsuit and he has a proposition for him. Option one is Shane keeps him in court for years and makes him spend millions of dollars out of his own pocket with no job, appeal after appeal after appeal. Or the option two is that Kevin drops the lawsuit and McMahon personally reinstates him on the spot and also drops the $100,000 fine and start over with a brand new, fresh, clean slate. Shane offers his hands out. No one's considered it before calling Shane a real idiot. So Shane doesn't get it. It's not about this lawsuit stuff. He goes, the idea of this in the courtroom and lawyers make him sick, and the only thing that makes him sicker is the thought that Shane in the locker room because he doesn't belong there. 
Owen says that he can't stand the thought of ever being in the same locker room with him, and that's what this suit is about. Not the money. It's about getting under Shane's skin and getting what everyone wanted for so long, and that's to see Shane's ass get fired. He proposes one final match against the two, and where if Shane wins, he gets what he wants. Kevin Owens is gone forever, but if Owens wins, Shane is gone from WWE. He goes, there's no catch, but Owens doesn't want a regular match. He wants a match that gives him a chance to hurt Shane and give Vince or give, uh, give Shane the same chance in return. The situation's been hanging over their head for so long, and he wants the documents written up in a briefcase, so hey, why not put it as a ladder match? And Shane also agrees to this. I am actually thinking this is a fantastic idea because I was a little worried with them being so close to Hell in a Cell that we're going to see an effing rematch from two years ago between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. And I don't think this rivalry needs another Hell in a Cell, much less a repeat match of what we've already seen. I think the latter match also e eats up a whole eye of possibility of a cavalcade of different people possibly interfering to help out Shane McMahon. So it all works out in the end. Maybe on the other side too. Some people can interfere and actually screw Shane over. So I think that having a ladder match is a brilliant idea. And we'll talk more about the implications of what could happen as we get closer to the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view in about two weeks time. But that's not where SmackDown technically ended. We actually see quickly backstage uh, Becky Lynch is being interviewed and says that Sasha Banks better hope Hell in a Cell gives her an advantage because without the advantage... And then Sasha blindsides her. They go back and forth, throwing at each other in the, in the road cases, windmilling punches, Banks even grating Lynch's face against the chain link fence and then slams it against her prone body as the referee and the road agent try to pull her away and to officially close out SmackDown Live. The last, presumably, SmackDown Live on USA Network. So, mixed feelings about this SmackDown. I think the idea of having Shane and Kevin Owens in a ladder match, and I think the opening segment with Daniel Bryan, Rowan, and Harper and Roman was honestly the big highlights for me as far as uh, SmackDown this week. Everything else really didn't have much of a build. And again, this is the last SmackDown before we shipped things over to Fox Network, so I'm not really surprised there wasn't too much put into it. We have some more build-up for Hell in a Cell, but really other than that, we had a Kabuki Warrior victory in tag team action. New Day got a tag team victory. Nakamura with a, against Mustafa Ali, and then a okay women's tag team match. And Chad Gable beat Mike Kanellis in about as much time as probably God took him to make, him, uh, make his wife pregnant. Oh, wait, that was Russo. Point is that SmackDown this week really didn't have any sort of substance to it, aside from the two moments I mentioned at the beginning and the end with the whole uh, Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan, Luke Harper, Roman Reigns situation. And then the Shane McMahon-Kevin Owens thing. And even that was more just them announcing the match, more or less. So really, if you're going to watch anything from SmackDown, definitely watch the opening segment and the opening match with Brian and Rowan. That's probably the strongest thing coming out of SmackDown. But again, considering we're doing this massive, huge show next week with their debut on Fox, I'm not too surprised they didn't put a whole lot into this week's show. I would probably give SmackDown this week, unfortunately, a 4-ish out of 10, because a lot of it was just kind of there. There wasn't any sort of major build aside from the other two things I just mentioned. And yeah, we did see the brawl between Becky and Sasha Banks, so that's not really nothing to write home about. Next week, though, on SmackDown will be a lot to write home about with a WWE Championship match, presumably a new top champion, the four horsewomen, and tons of huge celebrity stars, including Austin, Hogan, and so many others. So what's going to happen on SmackDown's debut on Fox? Well, we'll talk about that when we get to next week time on the OK Fabe Show. But don't fret, folks. The wrestling doesn't stop there. So make sure you guys come back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we're going to cover everything that took place on tonight's NXT. First hour on the USA Network, and the second hour, of course, on the WWE Network. Really looking forward to that. Of course, that's just my opinion, guys. 
I want to hear what you have to say about this week's SmackDown. Hit me up in the comments. Hit me up on social media. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that bell so you're notified. And check us out on all the other platforms on a podcasting, Facebook, Represent Store, Patreon, and so much more. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care. And as always, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch the OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fabe Show.